Hi, my name is Jorge Cruz, and I'm known as the number one weight loss strategist to the world's busiest celebrities. I'm also a multiple New York Times best-selling diet author with over 30 books and 12 million fans. You may have seen my work with Oprah Winfrey, Khloe Kardashian, Tyra Banks, Kelly Clarkson, or even Dr. Oz. My career started in my early 20s because I was addicted to sugar, carbs, and salty snacks. And experts told me to simply count calories to get control. They were wrong. My passion to get radical control over hunger has led me to find a study proven way that creates zero hunger and helps my clients drop two pounds each day. And I know I can help you too. Welcome to the Zero Hunger Revolution. Well, happy Sunday, everyone. It's February 14th. I'm Jorge, and welcome to the Jorge Cruz Show. Happy Valentine's Day as well, guys. Uh, hopefully, you're having a great weekend, and I'm excited because on today's show, you know, I think of Valentine's Day as a day to, 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 for love, obviously, you know, love for others, hopefully uh time to be kind to yourself and, and be loving to what your body needs and a day of self-care. Usually Sunday is the day I do sauna work, I, I relax, I try to sleep in. It's that day to do it. It's uh, usually the day I also have a nice meal and then I start a three-day zero hunger window. I'll be doing that tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday. So Sundays are important days for me. And today being Valentine's Day, I'm so honored to be sharing with you an interview I shot uh, with Dr. James he has become one of my dearest new friends and really an ally in health because he is the author of The Salt Fix, a best-selling book uh, that really uh, transforms your thinking on salt. And we talked about that on episode 98. Now, he has a new book that is out called The Immunity Fix, which in today's 2021 world and with COVID-19 you know, starting to calm down. The vaccine is out there, thank God, in February, right? And uh, But there are things we can do that will improve our immunity. One of them is intermittent fasting. And now a lot of you have been emailing me recently about Jorge, this zero hunger window. It's a 23-hour window where you don't eat. This isn't safe. You're, you're losing muscle. You're going to have no energy. You're going to lose your libido. Nothing could be further from the truth. And on today's show, we talk about this immunity fix and how one of the strategies to bolster your immunity uh, beyond adding uh, sodium into your diet so you can control your appetite and allow your body to go through autophagy, which is your body's ability to do housekeeping. And it's really a time to to uh, improve and, and remove damaged cells from your body. So it keeps you young beyond weight loss, you know, beyond losing up to two pounds every day with the zero hunger plan, you allow your body to stay young and it's a state of repair we need. And so on today's show, he's going to talk about this state of repair known as fasting and why, uh, you know, a, a, a regular type of fasting, which is what I do with all my clients, is so beneficial to our immunity and so beneficial to what we need to do during this COVID-19 retake. You know, I know this is 2021 and hopefully by the end of the year, everything will be in a better place. But until then, and especially if you're someone who hasn't gotten the vaccine yet, I have not. I've had COVID. I talked about it on the show a couple uh, shows ago. And, you know, luckily I have the antibodies. I feel good. I didn't even know I had it, you know. And, you know, the science out there shows that most people that get it, if you don't have underlying health conditions, you get through it. Just like a flu or a cold, but some of us maybe 
you know, in, in a place where we have those underlying conditions. So I feel like today's show is going to give you the confidence, the motivation to embrace this zero hunger plan that we've talked about and understand how important salt is, but also how having a, a longer window of of an intermittent fast, what I call a zero hunger window, especially with the way I do it, a 23-hour window can be life-altering. And you're going to hear about this from his new book, The Immunity Fix. So I'm so excited to, to introduce this to you, our second interview with Dr. James. It's going to be awesome. Now, before we do that, I'm going to give thanks to our sponsors, guys. We are brought to you by Elemental Labs. And I love Elemental Labs because they make the on-the-go version of what I call zero hunger water. Now, on today's interview, you're going to hear me talking to Dr. James about the Woman's World uh, issue coming out, even though it's already been out. It was out last week. So remember, this interview was uh, recorded last month, so before the issue came out. So we talk about it as if it was coming out, but it doesn't matter, right? And more importantly, if you didn't get the recipe, you can get it by going to zerohungerplan.com and signing up for our newsletter. But if you are on the go, and you don't want to make the zero hunger water recipe, which is basically sodium, magnesium, and potassium. And they're, they're little hacks to make it taste good without sugar using stevia or monk fruit, lemon, lime, things like that, or cacao powder. Uh, drinkelement.com is the place where you can get on-the-go versions of this, literally delivered to your house, and it's so convenient. So many of my celebrities use this. A lot of my clients that are on-the-go and don't have time to make the, the actual uh, recipe for the Zero Hunger Water uh, do this instead. And what here's what's great for our listeners, for you guys. You get a free box of electrolytes. It's a $45 value on today's show by simply going to the following website when you do a value bundle. And you can customize these value bundles, whether you love chocolate, you like salty, and you like a little bit of a kick to it, like spicy. He's got flavors like uh, chili mango, which I love. He also has the more traditional, like a, like an orange flavor or a lemon-lime flavor. So you got all your options. So delicious, and it's all uh you get the fourth box free when you do this value bundle. So check it out. Go to drinkelement.com forward slash Jorge. Let me spell the URL for you. It's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash J-O-R-G-E. And again, you get a free box of electrolytes when you order the value bundle. It's amazing. It's how I do it on the go. You're, you're going to love it. Now, we're also brought to you by Julian Bakery. Julian Bakery is the premier bakery, I think, on earth <laughs> for people like me and hopefully you that like brownies, uh, cookies, and even bread, but don't want the carbs. And so if you want to cut the carbs down, check out Julian Bakery. They make the best delicious baked goods, and more. And they're giving all our listeners 10% off with the following coupon code at checkout called Jorge Cruz, all one word, all caps. You simply go to their website, julianbakery.com. I'll spell it for you. It's J-U-L-I-A-N-B-A-K-E-R-Y.com. And then the checkout code, um, coupon code is Jorge Cruz, all one word, all uppercase, J-O-R-G-E-C-R-U-I-S-E, -E, and you get 10% off of anything from the bread to the brownies to the chocolate chip cookies, anything, and it's all natural, nothing artificial, and really low carbs and low sugar. Super delicious stuff. I have it a couple times a week. Uh, it's the perfect way to 
kind of close your eating window and then start your fast again, start your zero hunger window. But get that in there, guys, because this is delicious stuff. You're going to love it. And finally, we're brought to you by the ZeroHungerPlan.com. ZeroHungerPlan.com is my website, and I'm so honored to be sponsoring the show because the show and the, and the, the website are kind of like brothers, I would say. <laughs> and uh, they're connected. They're definitely part of my family. And I'm so excited because Zero Hunger Plan has become the place where I do my coaching. And if you ever want to take it to the next level level and have live coaching with me, we're opening the doors again. The wait list is going to be offline. We're giving everyone a free coaching session, so you can go sign up for that now. It'll be sent to you probably next week because we, we've had to take a pause to update some things on our system. But then the live coaching will resume March 14th. You can find out everything at the website, zero, Z-E-R-O, zerohungerplan.com. Add your name to the waitlist so you get emailed when the free coaching is available as well as the coaching membership site. You're going to love it. And it's the place to make this a lifestyle because this plan, Zero Hunger Plan, is really the culmination of 20 years of me in publishing. I've written so many books, over 30, 12 on the New York Times. And I can tell you, uh, this is what my career has come down to is the Zero Hunger Plan. It is my passion. I feel like it's my mission for the next 20 years to do this. And I hope you join me because I would love to be your coach. It'd be my honor to serve you and get you to transform your health and drop two pounds each day. So check it out, zerohungerplan.com. With that said, guys, I'm excited. You're going to meet Dr. James. And if you have not heard episode 98, make sure to listen to that because it's a great part one. That's the original book, The Salt Fix. In this book, we're going to talk about the immunity fix. And, you know, it's powerful. You can do so much to improve your health at home during COVID-19 right now. You're going to hear this from the man himself. This book is hot off the press. You got to pick this one up too. It's called The Immunity Fix. He's an incredible resource, incredibly thought provoking and incredibly um, backed up by science. You know, he has citations in this book that prove the power of how our bodies can heal and be stronger from fasting. Welcome, everyone, to a very special podcast for 2021. I'm so excited. This is, for me, the best way to start the new year. And, you know, it's been such an interesting new year. And obviously, so many of us have thought about New Year's resolutions and getting healthy and what we can do to shortcut that. You know, for me, uh, understanding how to improve our health and how to get control over our appetite and our hunger is such a big thing. And as if you guys remember last year, episode 98, I had a very incredible author on the show. He wrote a book called The Salt Fix. This is probably the most important book in my library, Dr. James Nickel Antonio. And we spoke about the book and we talked about really about how sodium is this incredible uh, mineral that is deficient in our diet and can lead to obviously hunger, uh, but more importantly to so many other issues. And he's back today to talk about his other book. He has a brand new book that just came out more recently uh, called The Immunity Fix. And it is a brilliant book. Uh, and he talks about it and what simple things we can do to really improve our immunity. And, uh, you know, with COVID-19, hopefully um, coming to an end one of these days, uh, I still feel right now, especially with winter here and so much of us here in America, uh, we want to improve our immunity. And one of his strategies in chapter 10, I'm a huge advocate of this, because as you know, uh, sometimes when we forget to eat, it's called fasting. And he talks about how this is a tool that we can utilize as well to, to, to bolster our immunity. And that's one of the reasons I do it, even though I'm not trying to lose weight. So we're going to talk about that. And then we have a very special sneak peek uh, for 
for uh, the Super Bowl issue of Woman's World magazine, where one of my clients is on the cover. So we got a lot on today's show, guys. He's on the other line. Dr. James, can you hear me? I can. Thanks for having me, Jorge. Oh, you bet, my, my friend. Uh, thank you so much. How has been 2021 for you? I know it's been uh, an unusual start for the world, right? <laughs> it really has been. been. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, because, you know, I've been enjoying staying at home myself. I get to spend more time with the kids and the yeah. wife. So, um, yeah, it's going well so far. Usually I'm in New York the whole month of January doing all the, the morning shows. Uh, but with COVID, we're all live streaming or it's rare. Some shows are doing that. But I feel like so many people around this time of the year, when it hits the middle of January or towards the end of January, they, they kind of like have given up. I, I think the, the surveys have said that usually 80% of people that made New Year's resolutions at the start of the year by the middle of January have given up, you know. So I hope we can inspire them, ignite them, and get them excited with some incredible incredible insight. Um, uh, share with them a little bit of the salt fix, because I feel like for me, it is the key to turning off hunger. It is how Sandy lost two pounds a day on the plan. And, you know, it's a simple add-in that people can do. I mean, sodium, we all, we all have it. And tell them how, how that book came about real quick, Dr. James, because I think this book is brilliant and uh, I don't want to forget it, please. Sure. So, I mean, we've all sort of been uh, taught that salt is this like toxic white poison. And the reason why I wrote the book is to really you know, shed light that this is an essential mineral. And when it comes to uh, how it helps regulate hunger is the fact that because it's an essential mineral, there had to be some type of signal in, in, really in the body that if we were deficient, it would tell us to go seek out more of this substance and consume it if we were deficient. And, you know, in the book, I sort of show how animals do this and we would follow animals to salt trails and, and we would consume and, and replenish the salt that we lost through sweat. And the signal that drives us to do that is the reward center in the brain. And so if you are deficient in salt, that reward center is hyperactivated. And so you can get more sugar cravings, more food cravings if you don't have enough salt because of that reward system being hyperactivated. So if you want to suppress that reward center and not get such a high off of sugar and all these other types of, you know, highly processed foods, right. An adequate amount of salt intake is your best solution to do that. Yep. I, I think it's so, it's such a simple thing. And, and I feel like anyone watching or listening to us that thinks, what the heck you can turn off hunger. You know, I mean the whole, the, my whole mission now has become, you know, I've transitioned, I feel like from with COVID here, you know, into someone who's become an advocate for what I call zero hunger water, which is basically water, 32 ounces. I'm sipping it as we, as we speak here. This is my second one this morning and it's early this morning. But for me, you know, I, I do an extended fast on occasion where I sometimes fast up to three days and I don't do it for weight loss because I'm at my goal weight. I do it for the, the response to the immune system, stem cells, et cetera. So I thought maybe we could talk about that in a minute, but re remind everyone, because I feel like what you said, may, we may have to repeat it, because if anyone's listening, they're thinking, did he just say we need salt? And, and, and in Paleoithic times or in ancient times, I think what you said is, is not to give them a history lesson, but to share a little more on that about how ancient man, and we're talking how many, I mean, this is going back thousands and thousands of years, right? Where we would follow, can you explain that a little bit about how ancient man knew how to follow 
the path of salt sort of, right? And how, I think we talked about this in our, in our first interview about how even the ancient Romans uh, paid their soldiers and gave them a salary, right? Um, and in, in the Latin term salary, I, I think there's a connection to salt, right? And we're worth your weight in salt. Is that, is that where that comes in? And to give yeah. us a tiny little history lesson, because I feel like you're the man that, that could give us some light on that, please. Because sure. I think people are like, this is crazy. This is new. This is weird. And it's not. It's, it's actually, I mean, is it ancient? It is, right? Oh my gosh. I mean, well, our, our, our increased intake in salt actually goes back maybe four or 5 million years when it started cooling off a little bit in Africa. And you sort of had, instead of a lot of rainforests, more patches and savannas. And that's where essentially our ancient, ancient ancestors kind of transitioned from, right, eating more vegetation, plants to more animal foods. So and when we consume the entire animal, you are getting all the salty blood and interstitial fluid, and you don't get that nowadays. So if you, wow. if you drop the processed foods and you start eating whole foods, that is now deficient in the salt that we used to get through all those salty fluids. So say that again, but take us back two seconds. So when, and I agree with you hundred percent, because I, I do believe a more high fat, high protein diet, which is more animal based is what our ancestors did. But back then, obviously they would hunt, right. right. And eat these animals in a way where you said that these fluids, obviously the blood, right. Would be right. something that was very high in sodium, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just look at like a, a lion kill, right, their whole face is covered in blood. And, and that blood contains a lot of salt, about one and a half teaspoons per liter. Wow. So, so, you know, we used to get that. And so if you start just eating plain muscle meat without salty fluids, you have to add the salt back somewhere. Okay, well, good. But I, I love a ribeye and I always add salt to it. Believe me, <laughs> it tastes good, you know. And I think we all know this. But what happened, I mean, not to jump all the way to, I think we talked last time about the invention of the refrigerator, right? And how before that we would preserve meat with salt. So that was a way to add it back in. But tell us what happened because somehow through the Roman times we were, I mean, if we go back from millions of years to what, three, 2000 years ago with the Romans, mm -hmm. take, give us a jump there because in that, those were still early days, early man. I mean, but we we're a little more civilized. We have this beautiful empire in Italy and Rome and all that. So tell us a little bit what how people knew then salt was powerful and then take us to modern times maybe up up until right before i think you told me it was 1930 with the refrigeration with the invention of that uh, and the refrigerator that everything changed but take us to rome a little bit about ancient rome and the word salary tell everyone what it means and why it was so important for for them yeah yeah i mean essentially rome would not have functioned and been the empire that it was without salt, because that's how they would keep their armies going. Um, the average Roman consumed about 25 grams um, of salt, whereas we only- Per day? Per day? Per day. Yeah, 25. And, and, and you know, people are thinking you're, we're, we're going to kill people with this, but this is how they won wars. Right. Mean, how does that, I mean, we'll continue, please. I don't want right. to guide this, but take us back again to Rome. So 25 yeah. grams a day for these people that were active, say, right. you know, and conquering the, 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 the empire, shall we say, right? Yeah. And, and essentially, uh, you know, nowadays we only consume about eight grams of, of salt. Um, so they were consuming about three times the amount of salt that, that we ingest today. Many other Scandinavian countries, even, um, you know, even up through the 15, 1600s that were preserving most of their foods with salts were consuming upwards of sometimes 60 to hundred grams of salt per day. 
because everything had to be very tightly packed in, in quite a bit of salt to preserve it. And then, as you had mentioned, with the invention of the refrigerator um, in the 1930s there, or thereabouts, um, the, there was less salt needed to preserve the food. And so this is where we sort of got now where we consume about that eight grams of salt or about three and a half grams of sodium per day. So with the invention of the refrigerator, in essence, it took away the need for the salt. What happened between that then in the early 30s, right, uh, to today, where it's been vilified, where salt has become this, I mean, and I guess people thought, oh, it was only used for preservation. Now we don't need it. But I think, you, I mean, we talked about this in, in that episode, I think 98 that we talked about, where, you know, there was a campaign of sorts with the sugar industry. I mean, it, it really, I feel this needs to be a movie. If COVID continues, you and I need to work on a film, <laughs> a documentary, because I feel like they're, they're, tell us the, the, the story of what, from your perspective, and I know it's your opinion, but it's based a bit on, on history and, and what is, what's, it's just fat, it's factual. This isn't something that you made up, but something happened in our culture and our government with recommending salt versus sugar. And, you know, there's no regulated daily allowance for sugar. There is for other uh, trace and minerals. And I feel like salt has been made this thing where there's a number that is so low, right? But Tell us a little bit of that, of how this happened, because somehow in the 1920s, we weren't doing this. We weren't afraid of salt. I mean, we had to eat it. We, it was a part of, I mean, what was that life like in the 1920s? Take us to the 20s before the invention or the early, you know, early like 1910 or something, you know, the Titanic. I always think of that time period, you know, Victorian time period where there wasn't refrigeration, right? There wasn't at all. Right. Salt was cherished for, for preserving foods. Um, even in early wars, uh, most soldiers consumed around 18 grams of salt per day. So just over twice the amount of salt that we consume. It was very well known, um, at least up through World War II, that, that soldiers should have a, a ration that gave them 18 grams of salt per day. Wow. So, so and that was it. What, what was their what was their reasoning? Do you, do you know a little bit of the, oh, the detail? Oh, I mean, performance, functioning, cognition, um, you know, performance in the field, how they felt, um, replacing, you know, uh, salt that would be lost through sweat. So that was their reasoning. They, they just, you know, they had done their calculations and that were, was the that they came up with. Were they aware of the ability to, because I would think if you're, uh, you know, if you have a Roman empire and, and, and these soldiers, or if you have a 1920s uh, soldier as well, or a, anything that's going on in the world where you want to be victorious and you have a lot of work to do, a lot of physical work to do. This isn't sitting at a desk if you're fighting a war, but were they aware that obviously, because I know for me, and I know just to jump to women's world here uh, with the January issue that will be out in newsstands, uh, I believe the 28th of January for anyone that wants to read this, it won't be out till then, but you know, this gal, Sandy, uh, you know, and I love her to death. She's a 50 year old, 50 year old grandmother. Uh, and she got off her cholesterol medication and she literally drinks this, this recommendation that I've given her, you know, 32 ounces of water with a half a teaspoon of salt. We had a little pinch of magnesium potassium sometimes and a little lemon or a stevia or monk fruit or something without sugar, but she drinks that and she literally forgets to eat all day and has incredible energy, no migraines. She's off her cholesterol meds. She is at her high school weight and she's almost 60, you know, she feels phenomenal. Um, 
I would think that would be very beneficial for, 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 for people that had wars to fight as well, you know, to have all those things. And she eats one meal a day. She doesn't do it intentionally. She's not trying to fast, but she's just not hungry. And I would think that would be beneficial with, with wars and all that to also have this energy. And, and I know uh, the military does feed folks you know, probably three square meals a day, but I, I'm sure during the middle of a war, you'd be happy to get one good meal. Were they aware? Were people? Let's start to move into the direction of hunger control just for a minute, because we're going to end up with uh, with autophagy and fasting. How does the sodium, if you could, uh, just one more time, if you don't mind, to dumb it down for everyone listening, how does it turn off the hunger and the cravings for sugar, carbs, and salty snack foods? Because I think that's what causes so many of us to be overweight. At least it did for me when I was younger. Uh, I was overweight because I was addicted to potato chips, nachos, uh, milkshakes from McDonald's, French fries. I mean, the, just all goes on and on. It was never uh, a steak and, and eggs I was addicted to. It was always carbs, sugar, Pop-Tarts. I remember Captain Crunch cereal. I loved Captain Crunch, right? <laughs> Those are the things I was addicted to. And I would think you know, if we want to regulate our hunger, share a, a, for a moment. Did, I don't know if the people in the 20s or the Romans knew this, but obviously, I mean, we look at movies from, um, you know, like the, I remember that mo- a movie, what was it the 100 or the 300? What was that movie with all the Spartans? 300. The 300. I mean, these guys looked amazing, <laughs> right? They had great bodies. You know, everyone was in phenomenal shape and they weren't eating all day and night and they were, they, they had salt in their diet. So how did that regulate or how does that help us um, be effective and not, and not be hungry. And do you know if they, they used the salt partly for that or was it just for the energy? And they probably didn't feel hungry either. I would think they ate often, but not every three hours, you know, where they were dependent on, because I imagine if you're fighting a war to pack that much food would be, it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's enough to have 18, you said 18 grams of salt back in the, in the twenties, right? Correct. I mean, yeah. that you can pack it small, right? But right. to have three snacks or four snacks, a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner, I mean, you're carrying a whole uh, picnic basket, you know, right. every day. I mean, you, you, would, you would run out of, I don't know if you could win a war if you're always eating, right? I mean, <laughs> and I'm not hungry. I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I'm on a, a revolution of sorts and I know you are to help people's health and I don't overeat, but do you think they were aware of that, Dr. James? Or is that just a side effect, just not being hungry? Or was that a, an intentional uh, thing to, 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 to maximize the potential of, of winning a war or, and not overeating, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if they were consciously aware of that salt yeah. might curb their hunger. I think they, they primarily knew that this substance is going to help preserve their food. Um, it's going to improve their performance on the battlefield and that, and that it was important for hydration. I think they did understand those things. And of course, for infections, right? Um, Tell us, what do you mean? Well, well you, they, would, they used to rinse their mouths. That was the natural first um, antiseptic antibacterial mouthwash was, was a saline solution. Um, so for gingivitis or any type of you know, mouth infection, uh, salt rinses were very common back in the day. And of wow. course, packing wounds, right, with salt um, was right. used as well. But I think... To your point, you know, how does, how does salt curb hunger? Um, when you don't, there's, there's numerous things and I'll go through each one. The, the reason is when you don't get, get enough salt, it again, activates that reward system in the brain. So you're going to get a greater activation in dopamine from hyperpalatable foods, making them more addictive. So that's so we're talking one. sugar, carbs, and salty right. snack foods. And it's not the salt, it's the corn and the chips, right? In fact, it's the lack of salt that actually makes those substances even more addictive. Um, and on the other side of that too, is when you're not getting enough salt, 
uh, your body increases the fat storing hormone insulin because that hormone also causes the kidneys to retain more salt. So if you're constantly on a low salt diet, you will automatically have higher insulin levels. And for every calorie you consume, you are going to store uh, more fat. Wow. That, that no one says this. You're the only person I bet yet. Yeah, well, there are others. There are, there are a few of us out there, but I feel like, why is this message missing in the culture? Why is your book so revolutionary? Because I feel like something happened. Can you tell us that thought? What happened after the thirties and forties where the public were, I mean, it, it feels like it was vilified. Salt was vilified. the opposite of what you just said, right? Right. Because, you know, an industry formed that noticed that they can make money off of a different white crystal, that being sugar. And so in the early 30s, you started seeing, you know, these candy shops, right? And you used to be able to get fountain sodas in, the, in pharmacies. And so sugar and the sugar industry started growing from there. Well, you know, all of a sudden the population health started declining as well. And so they had to have a scapegoat. They had to blame it on the other white crystal salt. And so the food industry and the sugar industry have definitely had um, many scientists on their payroll. And it was always to shift the blame away from sugar onto fat or salt. And so and that's- this is, this is historical. This isn't something yeah. you're guessing. They were on payroll, right? Uh, 100%. Yeah. They, wow. they really had scientists on payroll, paid them to write even- This academic. is the sugar industry. The sugar industry, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. As, as early as what year? When did this start? I mean, tell us a tiny bit more, whatever you know, because I think people's mouths, they're like- what, what are you guys drinking? Are you guys drunk? <laughs> this is not possible. Why would they do that to salt, right? I mean, I th but this is historical, right? Yeah, I think it, it, you know, it first started in the 50s and really started growing in the 70s. Um, wow. Because when you had the release of the first dietary goals in 1977, um, that ended up turning into the 1980 dietary guidelines. And I, I kind of go through the historical recommendations from the first 1980s dietary guideline to all the way up to today. And that's so in the first, salt fix, right? Yeah. So at first it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like, um, you know, salt is so bad. It was just, it, they just said consume salt in moderation. And then that changed to eat a low, as, as low as possible salt diet. And so you, it, it's even, it's interesting, even from the 1980s through, through up through 2015, how it sort of became more and more and more restrictive. Wow. And obviously they had more money and more attorneys, more uh, people on salary, shall we say, right? Yeah. To, to kind of push an agenda that, I mean, is there any, I mean, I, I just want to be a little fair and try to be non-biased, but was there any truth to it or is there any truth to it or was it really manufactured? I mean, because it feels like they couldn't have completely made this up from nowhere, Right. Or did no. they? I mean, I feel like, wow, I want to cry right now. This is depressing. Well, I think what they did was there are people who are salt sensitive, but they never took the time to figure out why those people were salt sensitive mm. and they inappropriate, inappropriately extrapolated that small subgroup of people who have high blood pressure and that are salt sensitive and did a blanket statement to the general population that everyone should be on a low salt diet. So there were two faults that happened. They inappropriately extrapolated a small group that was salt sensitive to everybody. And when you say salt sensitive, because I know we talked about this in our last interview about the pairing, maybe you can mention it whenever it's appropriate, of salt with 
a high insulin response, which comes from sugar, carbs, and salty snack foods, doesn't come from fats and proteins, a little bit from protein, but not nothing like carbohydrate. And when you pair salt with carbohydrates, and what I feel like this special group of people ate a lot of sugar and carbs, <laughs> and then they tested them and said, oh, well, then salt's going to give you a, what was it, high blood pressure? Was that the big issue that they were so concerned about? Well, they, I mean, they could never even prove that it caused hypertension or, or a chronically elevated level of high blood pressure. It was just that their blood pressure would spike about 5% or greater when going from a low to a normal salt intake. But your blood, your kidneys can flush out the salt fairly quickly. So the blood pressure would go pretty much right back down. Um, Hey, it's Jorge, and I just wanted to interrupt the show just for a moment to invite you to head on over and sign up for my Zero Hunger email that'll give you each day a simple what to eat to get radical control over your sugar, carb, and salty snack food cravings. And if this is something you want to conquer and make a lifestyle, the newsletter is important. It will really give you tools every day to keep building that momentum to create a lifestyle where you're in control of sugar and carbs. So if that sounds good, check it out. Simply go to zerohungerplan.com. I'll spell it for you. It's with a Z, Z-E-R-O, zerohungerplan.com, and it's all free. I'll see you there. Let's get back to the show. But as you said, the key to this group that is quote unquote salt sensitive was the refined carbs and sugars causing them to elevate and causing them to over retain salt. And if you just drop the sugar and the refined carbs, you've dropped the insulin and you fix the salt sensitive high blood pressure. So say that for everyone listening, if you're concerned about high blood pressure, which I think in today's 2021, it's hard to believe it's 2021 world, but it is. I mean, if people think of salt, their number one issue, at least that I hear on social media and emails I get is, oh, I don't want to get a heart attack. I don't want to have high blood pressure. Is that still, that's kind of the fear. That's the one story, the myth that seems to be the narrative that, that you might as well put the X in the skull on salt because people are scared of dying from it. You know, it's the opposite of your cover here where it's medicine, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, is that the is that the narrative that they're scared of of high blood pressure? Yeah. Oh, without question. The most uh, comments I get is, "Well, what if I have high blood pressure?" Well, the well, then the the key is is to drop the refined carbs and sugar, start exercising more, and that requires and necessitates more salt. And salt's going to let you allow you to exercise more, and it's going to allow you to eat those whole foods um that are more bitter but that bring the potassium and the magnesium so salt is the gateway to eating healthy and exercising wow <laughs> i feel like this is I, I love talking to you because i feel like i always even though i knew this already i feel like wow the way you say it is so um it's profound i mean this is profound information i think anyone listening to this right now is saying wow you know and, and i feel like with your new book, The Immunity Fix, you know, there's a chapter in there that I'm obsessed with, chapter 10 for anyone that gets the book. It's it's a must read. It only came out a couple months ago, right? So it's fairly new. And obviously, tell everyone about The Immunity Fix because you worked on this during COVID, right? This is, yeah. you, you rushed this. You literally did this. And I mean, I know the salt fix you shared with us, 500 citations, took you three years to do this book. Right. How did you do that book so quick? And and I mean, it's got a lot of citations as well, correct? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, we were the first, um, myself and another co-author, to actually publish an academic review paper on nutraceutical, essentially supplement strategies um, against RNA viruses, which wow. 
coronavirus is an RNA virus. Is this public where we could share with people? Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a, a, a published academic paper. And it was well, if you don't mind, share me the link and we'll share it in the show notes because this would sure. be fabulous. So it started with that. And when was this? This last year? Just uh... February. That was in February. That so not even a year ago, about a year ago. Right. Essentially, right when COVID was exploding, we, we yeah. published this academic paper was press released by Elsevier, which is, um, you know, an academic, uh, you know, publishing you know, group. And, you know, we started also publishing on hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, right? Do these medications actually help against COVID? And, that, and, and, and then I said, well, you know what? Most people don't read academic papers, so I might as well sure. make my research into a book. And then it ended up turning into a 2,500 reference um, immunity fix. 2,500? Yes. Yeah. I love that you're so uh, not just well-researched, but passionate because to find those kind of references, I mean, I mean, I know it took you three years for the salt fix. How did you, you must've just focused 14 hour days. You must've been a laser beam, correct? Yeah. I mean, essentially right through, I would say as soon as it started happening into late December in China, the research for me just, yeah. you know, didn't stop until you know, I don't know, around May or so. And, and the book is written with the co-author, uh, this handsome guy here. Tell us who your co-author is, because there you are, of course. And and we're going to dive into this now. But you you had a little help. The, the author of The Metabolic Autophagy, pronounce his name for us, right? Yeah, and he helped with um, some of the more of the biohacking. Um, so, I mean, I had actually been doing research on sauna therapies, um, sort of heat shocking yourself. I was looking at animal studies. Um, where they would heat shock these animals before giving them lethal influenza and it dramatically lowered mortality, um, viral replication, lung pathology. And, I, yeah. and that comes down to heat shock proteins having these antiviral um, effects. So sure enough, I did buy a sauna during this COVID. So yeah, I, and I have a sauna as well. I love saunas. I do it almost every night. You recommend that as an immunity uh, biohack, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And is that how you connected with, and say his name one more time for everyone watching. Yep. Seamland. Zealand, and he is in Europe, correct? This gentleman, Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so, we we sort of go through, you know, the nutrient depletions in in the immunity fix that increase the risk of having poor COVID outcomes or or higher mortality. But then we also go into lifestyle strategies, biohacking strategies, cold therapy, hot therapy, things like that. Fantastic. So his specialty are the biohacks. So, I mean, I feel like uh, you'll have to connect us. We'll have to talk to him because I feel like this is such an important topic. And as COVID is still out there, and, you know, I, I just listened to NPR news this morning, bright and early. I mean, it's still an issue. I know the vaccine is giving us a new light, I hope, right? You would agree there's some light there, you know, which right. is, is well needed. But there's so many things we can do to take uh, control and be proactive. And I think if it's not COVID-19, it could be the flu. It could be just immunity in general. For me, you know, uh, one of my favorite uh, chapters, like I mentioned, is the one on intermittent fasting, because as much as I used to intentionally force myself to not eat. And it was hard, you know, it was really hard. Once uh, for me, you know, out of COVID came this emphasis on the podcast about uh, hunger control, because I think after our interview and speaking to a few other uh, people from Paul Saladino, Dr. Saladino, to Mark Sisson, to uh, Jason Fung, which is a good friend and co-author of one of your books as well. What, what book did you and Dr. Fung do? That was the Longevity Solution. 
So that is what I, I that is why I do extended fast for longevity, for increased uh, improvement in stem cells and immunity function. And I think one of the tricks, and, and, and just connecting it back to Women's World, because I know a lot of people listening are fans of Women's World magazine, because it's out and it's the number one um, publication on grocery stands, you know, in the country. It's number one. I mean, there's no even People magazine doesn't get this kind of coverage, because it's everywhere in the grocery stores. Um, and in today's world, not everyone reads magazines, but on that cover, we know that Sandy was drinking this water and she literally talks about, she doesn't mention the word fasting in the article, but, but she's not someone who does biohacking. She's a you know, 58 year old woman. And I think our average listeners in their mid, in midlife to say the least, we don't have a lot of 20 or 30 year olds, but if they are listening, I think, and if they're overweight or feel like their immune is weak, I feel like this idea of forgetting to eat otherwise known as fasting, <laughs> you know, if it's effortless, is scary for people. And I think in chapter 10, you really share some of the, the science that I think can bolster our, um, our motivation to know that, you know, it's almost like we're scared of salt, we're scared of fasting, you know, it's, we've been told, oh, no, 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 you know, you can't do that, you can, you go, you'll pass out, you have to I mean, I know in my study of, of food and all that, uh, Harvey Kellogg, around the same time period that, you know, we talk about the Victorian time period, he created the, the Kellogg cornflake, you know, at his sanitarium, I think it was in Michigan or something like that, and created this to help people uh, be healthy. But he created a whole industry that broke the fast and he created the word breakfast. I think it was first quoted in, in uh, Good Housekeeping in, in the early, in like 1910 or something like that. And, and, and then people, He's like, you have to eat breakfast. You know, we all have been told breakfast is the most important meal of the day, right, Dr. James? And I feel like, you know, for my clients, a lot of them will just drink this, you know, um, maybe have a little coffee, maybe with a little butter or something like that as a biohack. But, you know, a lot of times my clients will forget to eat till dinner time and they'll eat one meal a day. We all heard of that acronym OMAD, you know, and um, tell us why that isn't something, because I feel like it's, a, it, it, I, I'm just thinking this out loud with you, but as much as sugar and carbs and, and salty snack foods are something we want to avoid, we want to embrace salt. Why would a strategy like fasting be something that can improve our immunity? If we could start with that, I would love that because I feel like that is one of the issues um, that a lot of my clients face when they consider not eating. And they're like, but is it safe? If I drink your stuff, if I drink salt and I'm not hungry now, and as you've explained so beautifully how that turns off the hunger mechanism, is that safe though? And you know, they're going to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to pass out, you know, I'm literally going to die, you know, if, if I don't, if I don't eat immediately in every three hours, why is the opposite possibly true. And, and in chapter 10, you call it, you know, um, everything from, I think you mentioned, uh, what is the, the topic here? How fasting affects immunity. You mentioned the word that I, I love. I'll, I'll just share with everyone here, autophagy. So maybe could you share a little bit of what, of, of this? We'll start with this because it, it really connects to woman's world because that's how you lose two pounds a day, in my opinion. <laughs> you <Yeah>. fast, <laughs> which is not, you know, people are like, well, I get why you lose two, up to, up to two pounds. It's not everyone will lose two pounds. It's up to two pounds, but you sure could if you have a lot of weight. And I feel like people are going to say, it's not safe. This is very provocative. It's uh, you people are dumb. This is not safe. It's not what the government tells us to do. Everyone knows we need to eat breakfast, but take us down this path. And I'm not saying it's another conspiracy, but maybe, <laughs> you know, about us being, uh, we're, we're more capable than just, you know, being so dependent on eating every three hours. But t t talk to us about chapter 10, please, Dr. James, I, I want to let you take over, please. I mean, the average American consumes probably six to seven meals per day. 
And so that's constantly keeping insulin levels elevated. So um, doing an intermittent fast, which is sort of like your novice fast, right? Where you're, yeah. it's more like time-restricted eating. You're yes, yes. consuming six meals a day. You're consuming maybe two meals per day. Yeah. So whether that's skipping breakfast, for, for most people, it's so easy to just skip breakfast and then they consume lunch and dinner. Yeah. Um, and when you get into the more OMAD or the one meal a day fast, you start getting more into the deeper fat burning at the 18 to 20 hour mark. And, and that's, that's what I love because that's where you can really see a drop in weight. As we say on the cover, they're two pounds a day. So that does happen with the, ex and would you call that an extended fast if you're doing OMAD sort of? Um, I, I, so it's right on the cusp, right? Yeah. Because it's a 23 hour fast. I, I know Dr. Fung always says, you know, he, he, um, he likes the longer ones and I've done three-day fasts uh, and I, I do them on, on a regular. Sometimes I, I try to do them at the start of the week and I can tell you, I feel out of control, healthy. I do CrossFit. I work out. I, I weigh almost 200 pounds of lean muscle and it's because I'm eating more protein, I think, you know, and I have, I have this energy. I feel like a Roman Spartan uh, type of, uh, you know, type of guy here. And I'm trying to get, I'm turning 50 in March and I, I want for my age to look my best. And I feel like, OMAD has done that, but, but doing even if Mo, OMAD is the start of an extended fast, a three-day fast, and you know, Dr. Fung talks about that at times, and he even talks about four-day fasts, and he always seems to uh, imply that, you know, if you've got that fat on your belly or on your sides, and if you're a heavy person, I mean, he says you can go weeks without eating, you know, and people are like, oh my God, Jason Fung is mad. And you work with Dr. Fung. So I know his work is valid. So, so yeah, so I need to zip it here. I want, I want you to talk because I feel like this is such an important topic, fasting in general, you know, from intermittent fasting, which is maybe two meals a day. I do the one meal a day. Some of my clients will do the one meal and then on occasion do two to three day fast, you know, just to, and, and not for weight loss necessarily, because maybe jump back in where you were saying what happens when you go longer than, uh, well, that you, when you do OMAD or beyond, because things happen to the body when you don't eat beyond 24 hours, say two days or three day fast, right, Dr. James? Right, right. So if you want to tap into what's called autophagy, where your, where your body essentially breaks down damaged um, proteins and yes. forms new proteins and increases the production of stem cells, that really starts to happen at two to three day fast. So in the immunity fix, we discussed that uh, immune resets um, would, would require probably two to three day fasts, but you shouldn't really do it more than uh, every two to three months. Because if you start doing prolonged fast um, more frequently than that, you will start breaking down protein and muscle. So there's this balance, right? I mean, if you're a lean um, muscular active person, you don't, you shouldn't be doing extended fasts really okay. to reset your immune system. With that intention, that's fine with the immune right. system. And did you mention stem cells? Talk, talk briefly about that, because I know that's something that's kind of like new tech or not new technology, but new science. Mm -hmm. And people know that these stem cells can create miracles in the body. You know, some people spend an, ex, an extreme amount of money to get stem cells in their body. And so when we do say up to a three, would you say three day fast is where the magic is? Two to three days. Yes. Two yeah. to three. What happens briefly, give us a little history on that or from your perspective. I know Jason Fung is, is the expert on fasting, but I feel like you're very knowledgeable on this. You know, you, the chapter is very detailed, but what happens beyond weight loss? Because I know that's the start of it. We want to drop weight and be, and be aggressive with it and see some results, but the results are beyond that. Correct. 
Absolutely. So essentially, I mean, in regards to immunity, your stem cells are what form your immune cells. They come from the bone marrow and the bone marrow produce your stem cells, which then eventually differentiate into your immune cells. And so if you're constantly eating, you're in this state of growth. Whereas when you fast, you're in the state of repair. Um, and so what ends up happening is any damaged immune cells or proteins in the body, when you switch over to a prolonged fast, you go into a repair mode and you start breaking down damaged immune cells and you start forming new healthy ones. So it is truly like that immune reset. Tell me this in the, in the book with the, uh, the immunity fix, you talk about autophagy. I know a lot of people have heard the word. I talk about it as housekeeping, but beyond the weight loss and, and the immunity, give an end on that. And then we can dive maybe just a few more minutes on the book and some, some topics. I don't know if it's sauna or things that you really are, um, something that you want to bring to our attention, because I, I think that you have uh, a great uh, palette to paint from here. But with autophagy, what other things that I think would motivate people to understand that, that doing a fast of some sort, whether it's a 16-hour one, a 24-hour one, or even an extended one, is going to give them? Because you mentioned the stem cells. And, and I feel like for me, I'm turning 50, and I don't know why I feel old, older now at 50. It does feel like I got 50 more years, which is the halfway point, which is great. I, I mean, I'm excited for the next 50 years. Um, but is it stem cells or what is it that you would say is the greatest outside of weight loss, especially because we've, we've nailed that, I feel, <laughs> but that, that fasting can do for us was I know Jason Fung would talk about this for days, but I feel like from your perspective, it would be a little more um, focused possible because you mentioned the immunity and it really does with COVID-19 transform our immunity because I, I feel like people, I know we've talked about the bone concern, the calcium concern, but it, extended fasting or even a 24-hour fast or whatever we end up doing if it's 16 hours and you eat two meals a day or whatever people are doing that are listening i i feel like so many people have been told and, and i grew up in a latin catholic family where if you don't eat you know you 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 weaken your immune system it's the opposite just maybe start there and, and then give us a little you know take us to the top of what is the you know why the immune system works so more efficiently when we do uh, an intermittent fast, right? Because I feel yeah. like it's not what we're used to hearing. Yeah. I, mean, I think because nowadays we're hyper eating, we need to start more fasting, right? Um, hyper eating. I love that term. Is that something that is that your term? I love that. I'm going to give you credit for that. We'll have to make a, a hyper, hyper eating, right? Hyper eating, yeah. Well, essentially, and so I to find that from your perspective, because I agree. I mean, we're literally not even eating every three hours, it's like constantly, right? Well, yeah, when, when we were growing up, we would only eat three times a day. Now we're, we're eating six times a day. So that's what I meant by hyper eating is just the frequency has gone up twofold. And I, I think more, I think more people with COVID, you know, they're bored at home and they're popping M&Ms and peanuts night and day, you know, and so yeah. hyper eating. So go ahead. Yeah. Even our plate sizes have increased, but obviously. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Um, but I think from a, from an immunity perspective, Yes. If you consume just 100 grams of carbohydrates from sugars or refined carb source, that lowers the natural killer cells ability to kill viruses by five hours. So it's, you know, they're essentially their ability to kill goes down by five hours. So say this one more time for anyone. It's like, well, I missed that. What, 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 what did you say one more time, Dr. James? This is powerful. This right. is like, I mean, this is the reason to do it just in what you just said, but please one more time, if you would. If you, if you consume hundred grams of carbohydrates from either sugar or refined carb source, 
that drops your immune system's ability to kill viruses for five hours. That's incredible. And that's not a lot of, I mean, 500 grams, I mean, 500 grams, right? 100, no, 100. 100, 100 grams. That's the equivalent of, is that, I mean, give us something that people can relate to. It's not much, right? Snickers bars, um, two Coca-Colas, essentially, right? Two, <sighs> two glasses of orange juice, right? Is that, yeah. like it's 29 grams. I mean, it's almost the same amount of sugar in a glass of fresh orange juice as there is in a Coca-Cola, right? Bowl of cereal with milk, essentially. You know, your typical American breakfast. 100 grams of carbohydrates. Yeah. Five-hour depression in the immune system. Right. Yes. No one, no one talks about this. No one. Right. And then, and, and then they do this and they eat every three hours, you know, snacks and, and all their meals. I mean, wouldn't you say the, the standard American diet, right? Sad mm-hmm. people are consuming a hundred grams easily. I, I don't want to say with every meal, but I do feel it's with every meal, right? Every meal. Yeah, the hyper, not just hyper meals, but hyper high, uh, high carb meals, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, the, the average American is consuming 400 to 500 grams of carbohydrates per day, refined carbohydrates per day. So what Uh, does that do to the immune system? If 100 grams kills it for five hours, uh, let's add that up. How many, how many did you say on the average day? Six. So six times, six times five hours. That's you're literally it's 30 hours. Your immune system's offline. And I don't even know how that, how does that happen in a 24 hour day? You literally have no immune system, right? Right. Right. Your, your immune system is chronically suppressed when you're constantly eating carbohydrates. Whoa. I mean, that's profound. I mean, I feel like for the sake of, for, for the, for, for, for drama, say it one more time, because it's, it's like, let, let's let that, let the mic drop on that, because I feel like that's a big deal. Say it one last time. So you're saying when we eat carbs, hundred grams, our immune system drops for five hours, five right. hours, so- meaning we can get anything. We could get a cold. We could get, I mean, the stuff that's out there, let alone COVID. And then if we do this ever and ever, the average American is having four, five, 500. Yeah. Yeah. Four to, yeah. 400 to 500 grams of refined carbohydrates per day. Typically. So then that's a, literally your whole, that's over 20 some hours a day, almost 30 hours a day. Your immune system is what's the best word compromised or just depressed or lowered. Yeah. Depressed, lowered. So I mean, just eating three meals that contain hundred grams of refined carbohydrates, the entire day, your immune system would be suppressed. And as much as people are taking vitamin C and getting their vitamin D and even their natural sunlight, I mean, that helps a little bit, right? It helps counter it or, or is it just something that as much as that is nice, it's still suppressed or, or take us into how to counter that. Not, not that I want to encourage people to eat carbohydrates. I mean, we're trying to, I think, hint, hint everyone, not don't eat carbs if you want to have a strong immune system, right? Let alone do the fasting, right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't eat refined carbohydrates. There are certainly good sources of, of carbohydrates, right? Green bananas, um, certain unrefined breads. I, like, Did you say green bananas? Green bananas. Yeah. Um, which are essentially a more resistant starch. They're not, they're, they're definitely not sweet. Right. I, I remember my mother used to love the, the black, like the, not just Brown. She'd like them because they're so sweet, right. They get sweeter. Mm-hmm. And, and I usually like avocados and things like that, but so you're, and, and I know Paul Saladino uh, has that. Have you, have you seen his work with the plant toxicity spectrum? Mm-hmm. He loves squash and things like that. Very low sugar. So it's good to eat low sugar carbohydrates, obviously. Right. If right. we're going to do that unprocessed. Right. Like the reason why a yellow banana is so sweet compared to a green banana is because 
all the glucose is locked up in as resistant starch or fiber when it's a green banana. So it's much more fiber than glucose as yeah. ripens the resistant starch or fiber breaks down and releases the glucose. Wow. I've never thought of eating because, you know, when I, I go to Costco, wherever I get my bananas, I, I get them for my kids sometimes. And, and you know, I, I try not to eat them because usually, you know, I, I always always ate them back in the day when they were softer, you know, and you, when they're hard, you're like, oh, it's not they're not ripe yet. And you always make fun of a green banana because you're, you're, you're not ready for the world yet, you know, really but you're actually eating them when they're green, right? Because they're healthier yeah. if you're going to eat them that way. Much healthier. So it's a great source of potassium, great source yeah. of um, B vitamins. And low calorie and extremely filling because it's a ton of fiber and low sugar when it's green, right? Exactly. Wow, I would have never guessed that a, a, a banana, based on its timeline, is healthy. But it, the sugar—how much more sugar happens when it gets more yellow? And then, obviously, like my mom, she used to have them when they were brown, you know, and definitely sweet as you know what. But I mean, there's a difference. It actually changes the profile of the banana, right, as it ripens. Right. Essentially, you go from having five grams of fiber in a, in a green banana to none. Whoa. Oh, my right. God. Wow. Right? So. Wow. That's okay. Wow. So, all right. So back to what you're saying. So if we eat 100 grams of carbohydrates, five hours loss of immunity, what happens when we do the fast and the autophagy? Because now we can bolster that. And that's a way to, I mean, if you are eating we'll just say, for example, an OMAD meal, like Sandy did on the Women's World magazine cover, doing one meal, and you end up, sure, you have a little meat, a little carnivore, but you have some squash, maybe spaghetti squash, maybe a green banana, maybe an avocado, I don't know, you, maybe, maybe you have some, my favorite here, I mean, I, I love David, because he's on QVC, maybe some nachos, I don't know, I mean, that definitely looks like a Super Bowl party, right? <laughs> but if you eat this, obviously, and then you fast, though, say for 23 hours, then tell us what the autophagy does to help. I don't want to call it repair the body, but it helps. Uh, does it, it the housekeeping, right? It's, it's a type of, because I think that's the part I've explained, but I, from your perspective, how does that work briefly? And then let's, we'll wrap up here because I know it's getting a little late, but I appreciate this as I feel like this is, this is what we need to hear because I think people need options, you know, because not everyone's going to do what I recommend. They're not going to do what you recommend. They're going to do what they want. But I think if we can educate them, they'll make a better decision, right? Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, the fasting is going to prevent the more meals and the more blood sugar spikes that are hurting your immune cells for four, five hours. Right. Yeah. So eliminating those glucose bombs is really going to eliminate those bombs on your immune system that are damaging them. And in really glycating proteins, glycating your, your red blood cells. So you can't oxygenate your body as well. And of course, immunity comes down to the health of your own cells as well. Um, and really the key with autophagy is the cleaning up of damaged or old immune cells and replacing them with more functioning immune cells. That's essentially the benefits. So if we had a Super Bowl party, you know, uh, at the end of the month here or in February, and we have nachos and we eat a lot of them, say we get our hundred grams of carbs, maybe a few extra. And then the next day, or we just have that one big party meal or whatever, we enjoy a, 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 not necessarily the perfect meal, but we have a high carb meal. And then we fast for 23 hours. In that time, the body has time. And if we extend it even better, possibly just so we're cautious of the minerals we're, we're to, to trying to balance out any, any acid in the body, right. To, to balance that out. Can we really, in essence, I mean, for people that want to want to do that on occasion, maybe have a cheat meal, shall we say once a week. And I'm not saying it's Domino's pizza and nachos, but you know, some people do that. <laughs> I haven't had a Domino's pizza since 
college probably. But I feel like if they wanted to, in essence, they could do that. It doesn't have to be just a carnivore diet as healthy as that, that, that would be healthier. But the autophagy allows that reset and, and, and the immune system comes back. Is there a way to gauge it? If the, if, if the carbohydrates, hundred grams drops it for five hours, what does the autophagy do to the immune system? Does it give it, um, is there some way to quantify it maybe uh, in the sense of a result that people can have like a shield around them or they feel right. like an extra layer of rather than suppression of, 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 amp- of strength, maybe of some sort, right? Yeah. It'll bring you back to baseline. It'll bring you back to, you know, the health of your immune system prior to that, that glucose load. Yeah. And does it give you an edge as well? If you go longer in the sense of the extended fasting where it can give you, I don't want to call it like superpowers, but like a super immunity. Does that, I mean, in chapter 10, I know you talk about the autophagy, but can it go to that level sometimes where the stem cells are improved? Because stem cells tend to, I mean, for anyone that's out there, it's heard of this. It seems to be like a miracle sometimes when people are near a very end of life, they, they go to Mexico and they get stem cells. You've heard of these people, right? I mean, celebrities have done this. And why did people do that? And how does autophagy help that? Because I feel like, that that's like a, a ma- that that could be that that's almost magic it seems but it's not because it's a, it's it's biology right yeah you're switching over from growth to resilience and protection and the the cancer studies the, really the chemotherapy studies are very clear on this that if people who have cancer which they're already in a state of um, you know low muscle and low protein but if they fast two to three days before chemotherapy that dramatically reduces the side effects and improves outcomes because this, your healthy cells are not, you're, you're in a more of this repair mode. So your antioxidant defenses are up. So the chemotherapy isn't as damaging. Your cells aren't turning over as quickly. Um, and so that has been, there's been many studies to show that that, and that's why we think the autophagy really comes and kicks in at that two to three day mark from based on those studies. Tell everyone where they can reach you on, on the internet and on social media, please, if you don't mind. Yeah, my website is Dr. James Dinick, D-I-N-I-C.com. And my social media, Instagram, Twitter is at Dr. James Dinick. All right, today's episode is complete, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I want to ask you to please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast. Uh, And please leave a review on Apple as well. Give it five stars if you think the show has helped you in some way to transform your thinking. I hope it has. And more importantly, share your comments, your review of how it shifted your thinking and what you got out of it. Because I think that is how we spread this. And for me, this is a revolution. This is not uh, a podcast. This is a way of life. And I hope to transform over a million lives in the next couple of years. And I need your help. So please become part of the Zero Hunger Revolution by leaving that review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing today. Thanks so much. Have a great one. Peace and purpose. And I'll see you on the next episode.